You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us tonight here on the Rates and Lanes podcast. I am your host, Rico Muhammad, and back in Atlanta, Georgia, one of my lovely daughters, I think little Miss Manaya will be screening your phone calls. So if you have a question, if you'd like to get up and on board, you can press the number one that puts you in the queue for us to be able to get to you in the screen, get you screened in, and we'll get you up and on board. We may have a special surprise tonight. may have uh, one of our guest co-hosts dropping by to join us here in a little bit. But uh, tonight, we want to start off as we normally always do, looking at this week's USDA truck rate report for the fruit and vegetables. Right around the corner from produce season, there's a good bit of stuff is getting ready to start jumping off, getting ready to start moving. So this report is going to help those of you that are on the spot market, that are moving around, uh, operating especially with refrigerated trailers and reefers and refrigerator uh, temperature control. And speaking of which, I'm going to get into another little subject here a little bit later about this, uh, the new Uniform Food Safety Transportation Act from the uh, FDA has implemented. And uh, if you're like me and you're dealing with a, uh, you, you've dealt with a few different brokers or if you've got some brokers on, on your, um, that you're dealing with, and you've seen some amended contracts come your way. We want to talk a little bit about that. We want to save some of that good, uh, juicy stuff for when Mr. Hank Seaton comes on board with us because I, I forwarded him uh, one of those addendums that I got, and it's some very alarming stuff that is in there, and I just want to try to make everybody here aware of some of those addendums that you may be receiving if you are a refrigerated carrier. But uh, let's jump back over into the USDA fruit and vegetable report. This week, we don't have any markets that are showing any types of shortages for this week. We do have one market that is showing a slight shortage, and that area is eastern North Carolina. So eastern North Carolina is starting to show a little bit of movement, a little bit of progress. So if you're in that area, there's an opportunity to be exploited there. Um, we have several areas that you may want to get a little bit extra before you go into them. They have slight surpluses. Those areas, of course, is Florida is one. Second area is Minnesota, North, North Dakota, Red River Valley. Columbia Basin, Washington. Yakima Valley and Winchie District, Washington. Those areas are all showing a slight surplus according to the a USDA report. And one area that is showing an outright surplus of trucks is San Luis Valley, Colorado. So you definitely want to make sure that you're taking your backhaul with you if you're going to be servicing and operating in those areas. And, you know, as I've always stated, this report has a lot of good information in it. It tells you what particular uh, vegetables or fruits that are moving in those particular markets so that you can begin to try, if you want to concentrate on some of those different markets, you can begin to try to uh, 
narrow down your audience and specifically or who you want to market to. Uh, I'm going to post a copy of the uh, USDA Fruit and Vegetable Report up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. You can go over there and get you a link and check it out. And moving right along from the USDA Fruit and Vegetable Report, we're going to jump right back over to this week's DAT Trend Lines Report. End of Q, Q1 boost spot market demand is the headline. March 26th through April 1st, the end of Q1 led to a flurry of activity on DAT load boards last Friday. This pushed rates up in the markets and had up, that had otherwise been pretty quite, uh, quiet this spring. The normal seasonality has been a bit muted so far this year, yet the load-to-truck ratio increased for all three truck types. National average van rates were unchanged compared to the previous week but both reefer and flatbed rates gained $0.01 cents per mile. The national average diesel price climbed by 1.2% up to $2.56 per, per gallon. We're going to jump over and take a look at the U.S. van and demand, van demand capacity report. If I can get keep from being tongue-tied tonight, ladies and gentlemen, excuse me. Uh, van load-to-truck ratio rises by 16%. There was an increase in demand for vans last week. Nationally, loads posting increased 10%, while truck postings decreased by 5%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to rise by that 16%, up to 3.7, jumping from 3.2 loads per truck. The national average van rate was unchanged last week compared to the previous week. I just want to make a, another brief observation. If you guys listened to Trucking with Authority, Kenny Long's show last night, he had some very good commentary about uh, what's going on right now, especially in the spot market. Um, unfortunately, that's one of the things that, that Kenny and myself and, and we all here at Let's Truck are trying to do is trying to help educate more and more of our counterparts so that it can help raise the standards across the board as a, as a, for the industry. And we are experiencing that there is a lot more freight out there, but and just as the DAT report is, is reflecting, the rates are not really following the extra demand for uh, uh, trucks that are out there. And that is due to the fact that we are settling, we are not, really negotiating as hard as we should be, and we're settling for, um, you know, we're settling for just little bitty crumbs right now. Things are starting to swing back in our favor, and it's time that, you know, and, and, and you don't know that unless you are availing yourself to, to this information. Uh, the information, like I say, what Kenny's trying to put out, uh, that we're trying to put out here on the Race and Lanes podcast, uh, if you're not reading industry reports, uh, you have to make yourself available and be a student of this game. And, and if you're a student, you never stop learning. You always have something else that there is that, you, that you're always trying to study. So you're always trying to keep your finger on the pulse of what is going on. As, um, you know, I was always taught it's easier to keep up than it is to catch up. And once you learn where you are in the market, then it becomes a little bit easier to, to kind of get up to speed. It may be a little intense at first, 
But if you once you take the time to get up to speed and 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 figure out what's going on, then that's going to help you. And and and, and from that point, it's just a, a matter of you maintaining your you know maintaining your 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 breast of what's going on in the industry. Jumping back onto the van, the drive van load postings increased by 47% in March compared to February. Truck postings rose 13% during that same time span, which led to a 30% increase in the national load to truck ratio, a 3.2 van load van load per truck ratio was up 98% from where it was in March 2016. This week, the national load to truck ratio was 3.7. So that's for dry vans. So let's move over and take a look, dig deeper into the dry van segment. Let's take a look and see how spot rates were performing over the week. For March 26th through April 1st, national spot market van rates were unchanged last week, holding steady at $1.63 per mile. Rates were up in major markets in the southeast, Midwest and South Central markets. So taking a look around the country, beginning off in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have spot market rates being reported out of Philadelphia at an average of $1.65 per mile. Moving down into the Midwest, the, excuse me, moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia being the representative city, Spot markets showing at $1.92 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Chicago, Illinois, showing spot market rates at $1.96 per mile. Coming out of Dallas in the south-central portion of the United States, average drive-in spot market rates were at $1.60 per mile. Coming out of the City of Angels or the West Coast, the average spot market rate was $1.89 per mile. The national average van rate increased $0.01 in March compared to February at $1.63 per mile. The national average rate was $0.11 higher than it was in March 2016. Just to give you a little bit of of, uh, history now we're going to move and jump over to the U.S. flatbed and demand capacity report for the week of March 26th through April 1st. Last week, flatbed load postings increased by 7%. The truck postings decreased by 6%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to rise by 14% to 40.6 loads per truck. The national average flatbed rate increased compared to the previous week. Um, compared to February, flatbed load postings rose 45% in March, while truck postings increased by 6%. That pushed the load-to-truck ratio up 38% from 26.6 to 36.6 loads per truck nationally. Compared to March of 2016, the ratio has soared 109%. The national uh, for this week, the national load-to-truck ratio for flatbeds is 40.6 loads per truck. Let's move on and jump over into the U.S. flatbed rate report for the week of March the 26th through April 1st. Demand for flatbeds continued to be strong. Last week, national average flatbed rates increased by $0.01 cents up to $2.03 per mile. 
Starting out, we're going to take a look around the country by region. Starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Harrisburg. PA checks in showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.99 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, flatbed spot market rates coming out of Atlanta, Georgia, showing $2.22 per mile. Moving up into the Midwestern portion of the United States, we have Rock Island, Illinois, checking in, showing average spot market rates at $2.34 per mile. Moving down into Houston, Texas, the south-central portion of the United States, average spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.13 per mile. Jumping over to the west coast, Los Angeles, California, excuse me, these rates are indicative of Phoenix, Arizona, uh, showing average spot market rates of $1.71 per mile. Flatbed rates increased seven cents in, in March compared to February. The national average of $2.03 per mile was 17 cents higher than it was in March of 2016. So let's move on and jump over into the U.S. reefer demand and capacity report for March the 26th through April 1st. Reefer load postings increased by 2% compared to the previous week, while truck postings fell 4%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase 7% to 6.7 loads per truck. The national average spot market rates for reefers added $0.01 cents per mile last week. Reefer load postings increased by 49% in March compared to February. Truck posts rose by 14% which caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase by 31% from 44.8 loads per truck up to 6.2 loads per truck nationally. Compared to March of 2016, the load-to-truck ratio was up by 99% at the same time last year. The national uh, load-to-truck ratio for this week for reefers is 6.8, which is Anything above five for reefers is excellent. So you get, that's, it goes back to what I was saying a little earlier. It's time to really start playing a little bit more hardball on your, on your negotiating tactics on, on your spot market freight, ladies and gentlemen. Now is the time to take advantage of it. Um, the tide is turning in the carrier's favor. Uh, that's not to say that you should be out here trying to gouge anybody, but it is to say that you should be getting uh, a, a little bit of a better fair market value for your for your services. Uh, the rate report for reefers for March 26th through April 1st. Last week, the national average reefer rate increased by one cent to $1.87 per mile. Reefer rates showed gains in Los Angeles and Atlanta, but were lower in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, spot market rates for reefers increased one cent in March compared to February at $1.87 per mile. The March average was the March average rate was nine cents higher than it was one year ago today. That, ladies and gentlemen, will pretty much wrap us up for the US BAT trend line reports. And moving right along, jumping over into our bad broker report. Um, 
and I'm trying to get the report pulled up as we speak. Da, 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 da. Give me just a second. <clears throat> All right. Report is not as bad as it was, as bad as it has been over the previous few weeks. Um, so let's just jump right into it. JNC Transportation Corporation. That MC number is 582574. FMCSA shows that the trust fund is scheduled for cancellation on 422.17. They have over $7,000 in non-payment complaints that have been reported. Canning Logistics Services, LLC. MC number is 671340. FMCSA shows surety bond canceled on 226.17. Over $19,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Sani America, Inc. Sani America, Inc. is a shipper. Uh, they have received information that this shipper has over $6,000 in unpaid carrier invoices. So Sani America, Inc., beware of that is a direct shipper. So it's not just brokers that are making the report. You got some shippers on here as well. Grandmar Transportation Inc. MC number is three zero zero two zero eight. Surety bond set to cancel on four fourteen seventeen. Per the FMCSA, they have over twenty three thousand dollars in non payment complaints that have been reported. WHC Contractors. This is another shipper. WHC contractors, they have no broker authority or no bond. They, uh, ha it has been reported that they're, they have over $18,000 in unpaid carrier invoices. They are considered a very high risk. So make sure that you are doing your due diligence, ladies and gentlemen. Also, just want to make everyone aware, there seems to be a surge in... Um, Identity theft, carrier identity theft, and also um, there seems to be a, a, a little bit of a scheme going on as well with carriers, with legitimate carriers trying to do, go back and doing some double brokering as well. I've seen some reports on some of that as well. Um, ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you are not short-cutting any of your steps, your vetting process before you uh, accept these loads on the spot market and before, and if you happen to be a broker and before you um, contract out and give loads away, make sure that you are doing a thorough vetting process. And, and if it's going to require the help of shippers to help you out with that. If you are a broker, you know, you need to let your shippers know, Hey, make sure that this truck shows up uh, or better yet. One surefire way is to make the, uh, when the guy's coming to pick up, if you are a broker, ask your shipper to tell them to bring in their registration. That way you make sure that whoever, that the person that's coming to pick up the load, that you make sure that that person's the one showing up. Uh, do a little, make sure you're doing your due diligence on that. I just can't stress that part enough. And uh, maybe we might get some more tips from, uh, maybe we might get some more tips from, uh, we, and I see we do have our special surprise guest up and on board. Let's go grab him real quick, Mr. Chuck Snow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Chuck Snow to the show. Chuck, how you doing? I'm well, Rico. How are you? 
Oh, man, I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Fired up, ready to take on the world. Um, <laughs> well, I'm have, have, <laughs> have have you have you been hearing much about this? What I've been talking about with these uh with these brokers and uh, some of the some of these schemes that are going on. Rico, I've been hearing about them for forty years now. You know, nobody invents anything <laughs> new. It's just a different plan. One thing I want to tell everybody out there that brokers any freight to anybody at all, and, and this is just you can ask the shipper to um to check the registration but if you're dealing with a larger shipper or the shipper in the back isn't connected with the logistics manager that you're dealing with stuff gets lost in translation one thing that i would i I stress to shippers and i stress to truckers is when you're giving out a load to a carrier give them a number give them Every time you give out a load, have a confirmation number. And you tell your shipper, listen, do not load the truck unless he gives you this number. Because there's two reasons. Number one, what has happened to us several times through the years is our driver shows up for a load, and the shipper goes, oh, you're picking up the load for Canada? No, that went this morning. And we go, what do you mean it went? It went with who? I don't know, a guy from Canada. And what happened most of, and that's happened, I couldn't tell you how many times this has happened, but luckily people are pretty honest. And about 85 to 95% of us are honest out there. And what happened in those cases is it was either a mistake and a guy asked for a load for Canada and he was there a day ahead, or he had picked up at that plant before for Canada he was unloading next door, and he thought, you know, I'm never picking up a load for Canada uh, next door. I'm going to just go in and see maybe they have one. He goes in, he says, have you got a load for Canada? The shipper says, yeah, door's free. Takes your load. <laughs> and these guys, believe it or not, have all delivered them. So we're pretty honest wow. people for the most part up here. However, I warn my shippers you need to have some sort of an identification number. And, you know, good shippers, what they do to avoid this, they will ask for truck registration. They will ask for a driver's license. That's what good shippers do. And bad shippers that don't will become good shippers very quickly once they get a load stolen. It's usually like the you fix the fence after the cow runs out of the field. If anybody right. out there brokers freight, it's a great opportunity to train your shippers about good practices and say, listen, you know what? I, I heard something that loads get stolen, and when my guy comes in, make sure he asks for load R4305. Don't give him anything else. He's got to ask for that load. Now, chances are if a load is being doubled or sometimes triple brokered, Something will get lost in translation. So when you give the load to um, to BS carriers and they give the load to ABC carriers, chances are the guy from ABC carriers, the driver, won't ask for that load number because he won't get it because something will get lost in translation. And you have instructions then if they're to call you and you say, well, who do you work for? And that has happened to us where we've caught it off at the pass, where somebody was 
double brokering. Yeah, unfortunately, I I, uh, I had a friend of mine this week that uh, got caught up in a little bit of a scheme where um, she went and picked up a load, and um, she picked the load up, ended up in Wisconsin. They... um, place where she went to said, well, this is not, we didn't, we didn't, we, we're not getting this float. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of shady stuff that was going on. Long story short, she ended up taking the load back. They get, got in contact with the shipper and ended up taking the load back to somewhere in Chicago, I believe. But, um, but I, you know, that's somebody that I know firsthand, but I'm also reading these different reports um, that of stuff that is going on. And I'm like, wow, you know, I guess, you know, Everybody's out to try to make a buck, and, and every you know they're they're hungry right now, so everything's on the table. Yeah, you know what? The sleazy people are out doing stuff like that. They always have, and they always will. Um, I think that most people in our industry are pretty darn good. Uh, we've and listen, we've had we had a fraud before um, where somebody you know false identity uh, or identity theft, and the guy was smooth as pie. He did it perfectly. He got one of my dispatchers. Uh, we had put safeguards. Uh, we had safeguards before that. We have stricter safeguards, and we can't be too careful out there. Uh, you know, we are all vulnerable. You, you just, you know, I've heard horror stories of, um, you know, people uh, having contrabanding with loads and, and things like that uh, that was out of their control. So you don't want to end up in that situation. You really need to be careful who you're dealing with. That, you know, and of course, the famous one, and we've talked about this before, if somebody's offering you too much money for a load, chances are he or she has no intentions whatsoever of paying you. And that's the oldest scam in the world. And for those listeners out there that aren't familiar with this one, what happens is they go to a shipper and they say, well, I'll move your loads from California to New York for $3,000 when the rate's supposed to be, let's say, five or six or $7,000. So they give the person a load. That person offers somebody else $7,000 for the load, thinking, wow, I did okay. I got seven grand. Delivers the load and never gets paid. And, and the right. person that was paying the three, they have to pay the 3000 now, if you're smart, um, you go after the shipper right away, and you may be able to solve it. It really depends on the jurisdiction, and that's probably um, that's probably more of a, a legal uh, a legal conversation um, at some other time when we have the lawyers on. But uh, I think Absolutely. That you just have to be, I think you just have to be that careful out there today. And, and I can tell you that the worst experiences I've had in business where we have lost money have not been from a bad debt that all of a sudden, um, you know, we took on a new customer and they went bad on us. That hasn't happened very many times in many, many years. The, the ones that get us always are the ones where we're very comfortable in the situation and we are... Um, we're doing business on a daily basis and all of a sudden the rug gets pulled out from under their shoes and they take everybody with them. Uh, you know, and there was a case up here in Canada 
where there was a, a motor carrier that went to work for Target. And everything was going very well. As a matter of fact, Target up here, when they came up to Canada, they had a very, very strange vetting uh, process. And I must say, they became very unpopular with an awful lot of us in the um, motor carriage business because they weren't very easy to deal with. They kept on saying, well, you have to have this to deal with us, and then you have to have that, and now you need this, and now you need that. And they just kept saying, you know, it just got sillier and sillier until they vetted everybody pretty much except a couple of players. And one of them was a great big company, and they got the uh, the bulk share of the business. And everything was going well. And as a matter of fact, they even b- built a big, beautiful terminal to be, hand- to be able to handle all of the target business in just outside Toronto. And then all of a sudden, one day, the rug gets pulled out from under them. They lose $800,000 in bad debt from a company that, and that was overnight. So if you think you had a bad day, imagine those guys. And to make matters worse, they spent millions of dollars building this state-of-the-art terminal to be able to handle the the driver flow for that that account. So that added insult to injury. So you can't be too careful. We are all so vulnerable out there. And so, want to change gears a little bit, Chuck, because um, now I know that you guys are in uh, are in Canada. You are a carrier. You also are a broker, but and you guys do a ton of business here in the United States as well. So, I wanted to kind of get from from both. Wanted to put on both of your hats for us tonight. And, and okay. wanted to talk a little bit about the thing coming down from the FDA. It's actually kind of going into effect um, beginning in, right in, in April, right now. Yes, uh, the right. Um, uniform, the Uniform Food Safety Transportation Act that uh, coming down from the FDA. Uh, I'm seeing some different stuff. I've gotten some. Uh, um, uh, I've gotten in a few um, amended contracts. Uh, addendums to contracts, and, and I'm reading over one of them, and um, it kind of scared me a little bit. And I, I forwarded on to Hank Seaton, and, um, and we're going to definitely discuss it when again when Hank comes on because Hank has an excellent solution for this for this whole thing. But I just wanted to to, to kind of pick your brain a little bit and see um, how you guys were handling this thing and, and, and some advice that you might be able to pass on to us. Well, I think I think Hank Seaton's solution is the is the best and the easiest. You just sign up for this thing and get started on it. I know it's another pain in the neck and it's more paperwork, but I think those out there that haul food, especially meat, uh, you know, uh, poultry, uh, produce, anything like that, get registered. Um, and it's you know it's a pain in the neck, but it's once this thing gets rolling, you're not going to get loaded unless you're signed up for it. Uh, you know, this is coming down, it's, you know, down the pike, uh, especially for those hauling interstate. Um, and it's, I believe, now my understanding is, and I could be wrong, it is more, we're signed up for it, but it is more for freight 
from the states, um, like domestic U.S. food shipments. That is where it's, um, and so if you're hauling, which most of our listeners are, they're hauling uh, domestic U.S. food shipments, you need to sign up for it. I know it's more red tape, but my experience has been sign up now. It's easier to get on board with this now. It's not the sort of thing that you can kind of wait till November, December, like logbooks um, and giving up our paper logs and going to um, ELDs. This one's for real because what's going to happen is we are going to find ourselves in situations where there may be a little bit of a shortage of freight somewhere in some of the reefer zones. And when that happens, they will only load those carriers that are signed up for it. And I really think that the better brokers and the better uh, trucking companies that broker freight are going to, they're going to start getting pretty strict with this because everybody's trying to cover their ass, pardon my language. And, there's something and, and, and that's one of the things that that that's one of the things that kind of caught me that that alarmed me when um I, I'll I'll leave the broker nameless for now, but they sent over they they wanted a, a, an update they wanted to add an addendum to the uh, standard broker carrier agreement, and the addendum was was basically addressing this um, uniform food safety transportation act, and they and they had language in there because from what I understand of of the act as well is that it, it basically. Uh, the FDA is basically making brokers uh, are they're kind of treating brokers just like shippers now, and yeah. um, and 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 so the the language that they had in there it, it took away any rights or ability to uh, if something was to happen with the load it took away any rights for salvage. If the seal was broken, it took you know. If the seal was broken or if the temperature and something, it took away any rights that you had for salvage, any way to try to recover anything that was usable or anything like that. All of that was out of the window. You basically had to uh, uh, dump, crush, and dump the load and uh, the entire load and without any recourse. And and one thing that I think that sometimes when we talk about some of these things that are a little bit more technical. Our audience may start to, you know, eyes may begin to glass over and be like, "Oh, I'm not even, I'm not really uh, into all that. I just want to haul freight." This is this is some of this. This is so critically important. I can't stress this enough because Hank sent me a, a email reply and was saying that if if your insurance company knew that you were signing something like that, and, and you know, it's never a problem until it's a problem. You know, if right. you happen to be unlucky and and, and and this and you have to cross this bridge and you sign away something like that and your insurance company steps away from you and say, Hey, we didn't we, we didn't know that you was uh doing something like that. You on your own, Jack. I mean you if you got exactly a truck load of blueberries or strawberries, we we we're talking we're talking some major money here. Yeah. You know, we are talking major money. And and I think people need to understand that. Um, you're playing with, you know, you're playing with your livelihood. Do you have, you know, as a carrier, if you're signing these things, do you have enough money put away in the bank to cover it? Because you have no insurance when it comes to this stuff. They they don't insure this. So that's where, you know, we have an awful lot of people in our industry that have gotten away with lots of stuff with 
older reefers. And I'm not, listen, I should, you know, I have some older reefers. Um, we're pretty careful where we use them, but I have some that, um, that are, they're old. Uh, they still work well. Would I load a load of blueberries in them? No, uh, but, but they work well for certain <laughs> jobs. And, and I actually, I use those ones more for, for heat in the winter than I do for refrigeration. Um, and we updated our, uh, our reefers that we actually use for refrigeration, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. However, there's an awful lot of carriers I see on the road on both sides of the border that have some pretty antiquated equipment. And, you're taking a real chance at the best of times, but now you're taking a chance if that reefer quits and you bought a load and it can't, you know, there's no, um, it's not like it can be salvaged anymore to a, you know, it's going to go to a petting zoo at best. Um, you know, I remember about uh, 10 years ago, we took a load of carrots from Canada down to Arkansas and the driver that was on it broke the seal. And the food company said, you broke the seal. We don't want it. And well, there's nothing wrong with them. That's what you say. Uh, we don't know. Um, and they refused them. And that whole load of carrots, and luckily carrots aren't an expensive commodity, especially storage carrots, it went to some sort of a petting zoo. And it cost us, you know, probably cost us 10000 bucks. And that was a cheap lesson. So, yeah, you know, you're... We're in this game, and if you're going to be in this game, you you gotta you gotta have good equipment because they're going to be they're they're going to be pinning stuff on you, and, and you know that goes back to the whole thing with produce. Some of us have drivers hauling produce, and some of us have drivers that are not trained to haul produce, and that's suicide. I. I just want to reiterate the fact that, you know, when when things are cooking in places like Arizona and in the Valley and in California and things, you know, the produce is coming off the field and, you know, it's 110 degrees outside and that produce is 110 degrees and energy is expensive in those uh, packing sheds to cool this stuff down, those guys don't want to cool it down properly. They want to just get it in and get it out. And they will give it to a driver that's not pulping the load. And some drivers, especially new drivers or inexperienced drivers, aren't pulping their loads, and they're loading hot produce. Well, you know what happens when you load a load of hot produce on onto a reefer? You just bought yourself a load of produce. And I don't want that to happen to anybody, and I certainly don't want to happen to anybody that's listening to this podcast, because if they're listening to the podcast, they care enough about what they're doing to educate themselves. So you really need to take that time to educate your drivers also on how to do this. Because under this new uh, initiative by the FDA, any of those loads, you know, historically, if something's been a little bit bad and not perfect, there's been markets for it. You know, there's been those, uh, you know, there's those jobbers that buy produce that's not perfect, second-grade produce. Some of it maybe have used for canning or used for whatever. Uh, but now that stuff's going, going to go into landfill sites, which is really a shame, but they're worried about some sort of an outbreak. You know, right, I mean, it's, it's a brand-new world. We, we 
get right because the world is definitely changing and, and with the threat of all type of different bioterrorism and, and different stuff that is going on. Uh, but, you know, it just goes back to it, it being involved in this industry. If you are going to be a participant as far as a carrier, if you're going to be a carrier in this industry, so, you know, a lot of people talking about wanting to get their authority, so on and so forth. There's a whole lot more involved than just buying the truck, specking the truck, getting in the truck and driving and, you know, and shifting gears. You, you have to make sure that make sure that you are, uh, it's, it's not the good old days anymore. You, you have to, you have to become much more savvy about what, what exactly is going on if you're going to be in business for yourself. And it's not, it's, you don't have a choice in the matter. Um, because like you said, Chuck, it, 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 it can, and kind of like take a thing from Dave Ramsey, you're going to be paying some stupid tax and, and some of the stupid tax that you may end up paying is enough to put you out of business. Once, you know, if you end up having to pay it one time, you're out of business and you're out of luck, um, pretty much in this industry. So we want to try to make sure that people are protecting their livelihoods. And, uh, we got a ton of callers on, on board that are listening to us tonight, but you guys, you know, how we roll here on the Racing Lanes podcast. Don't let us just uh, talk ourselves to death. You guys are more than welcome to jump on board. If you got some input that you would like to share, if you got a question for myself or Chuck, press number one, get up and on board with us. Uh, we're here to take your calls and, and, and take your questions if you got something that you want to add to the conversation. Um, so with that being said, Chuck, uh, anything more you want to add? Yeah, I did. Rico, you know, one thing I just thought about, um, and we should talk to Kevin Rutherford about it. When he does the CMC this year, I think he really needs to probably spend some time on on this whole uh, thing with food, uh, everything, including how to um, maybe an in-depth course in proper, you know, proper reefer procedures in handling food. I think it's probably uh, a good idea. There's enough people there to pull reefer trailers. That's a good idea. Maybe we might need to send some, send it up the flagpole and see if we can't make that happen. That's definitely yeah, I think a, be good a good idea. opportunity for, for people. Absolutely. Well, we got a caller that we're getting ready to get screened in right now. And, and like I said, ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and press the number one that puts you in the queue. We would love to take your phone calls. We got a little bit of time left. We got about mm, under 20 minutes left in the show. But now is a great time for you guys to get in if you got questions, so we can get you in and uh, and get you processed through and get you get you up and on board with us. I'm trying to look at my little screen here to see if we got somebody screened through. I seen that they were working on them. Well, while we're waiting on them to get up and on board, Chuck, what you guys uh, uh what do you guys have going on over at Traffics? What's new up that way? I, I we've been talking the past couple of weeks about the new. Chicago operation. How is that coming along? You know what? Those guys are on fire. Uh, things are going really well. Um, I've got a good team of people in Chicago, as I do in uh, Toronto and Milton. And uh, but the guys in Chicago—they're brand new. And uh, wow, they're they're beating they're beating our expectations. Uh, you know, you've got good people in America. Uh, <laughs> they're. Uh, they're really working hard and, and they're having great success all over. So, you know, I, I knew we would do well with this, but I just didn't realize how, how well we would do, how quickly. 
So we're pretty happy about that. And things seem That's to be. Great. Let's you know, go grab. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Finish your thought. No, no. Seems to be busy out there in general. Uh, just freight seems to be moving. Yeah, that's what we were talking about a little earlier, especially on the spot market. Things are really picking up. Oh, Let's yeah. go grab caller calling in from the 254 area code. We didn't get the name put up there. So, caller, what's your name and how, and how can we help tonight? You're up and live with Rico and Chuck. Uh, my name is Judd, and this question is for Chuck. Um, yes, Judd. When I negotiate, when the broker says, I only have, let's say, $1,000 in on this load, what does that mean? He says, like, I'm losing money already. Well, you know what? It could mean a lot of things, Judd. Number one, it could mean that the guy has um, $1,000 to pay because he's given the customer a rate of $1,200 or, I'm sorry, given the rate of customer of $900, and he's supposed to have a carrier move it at 7 and the carrier gave it back to him. Uh, could be his contract carrier. He's got it on it every week, and he had a problem. His truck broke down. His driver got sick, um, whatever. Um, or he could be a shyster, and he could be making, you know, he could have $3,000 profit on the load, and he's only willing to pay you 1000 It really depends mm-hmm. on who you're dealing with. Um, sometimes what happens in uh, in any good brokerage house, they will lose money in order to keep a customer and, and not give back a load. I know that is part mm-hmm. of our culture. We will, uh, you know, we will not give back a load. Um, we will move it. I have lost $3,000 moving a load of freight before to keep a customer okay, happy. So you can lose I said money. to that customer, oh, yeah, because I said to that customer, I will move your load. And mm-hmm. something blew up. And actually, on the one in particular... Um, we thought we could load it on a dry van and we couldn't. We found out last minute that it had to go on a flatbed and, and we moved it. And mm-hmm. I had to send a flatbed from uh, Toronto all the way to Las Vegas with one 20 foot piece on it for a trade show. Um, and mm-hmm. you'll find the better brokers will lose money. Um, and you, you know, it's what you have to do. Otherwise you lose your customers. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And motor carriers do the same thing. If you've got your own client and he gives you a run and you can't do that run because of, for whatever the reason is, um, and you're getting $1,000 for that run, and somebody says, well, Judd, you know what? I'll do it, but I need $1,300. you are probably going to say, well, here, I'll lose 300 bucks. Just get it done because this is my good customer. Right, right, right. But other ones are just shysters. Mm-hmm. And you have to know your market. Okay, and that's something that I preach to everybody listening to this show. If if you run somewhere steady, okay, so you go from point A to point B all the time, you know what the rates mm-hmm. are like. If mm-hmm. when you get into unfamiliar, you know what, when you're from New Jersey and, and you normally run from New Jersey down to Florida and you end up in South Dakota somewhere, you have no idea what the landscape right. is. Okay. So... That's why it's very important for all of us on the asset side, I know where my asset hat now, um, to run particular areas and learn them and know them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as this business gets crazier and crazier, um, because there's all sorts of stuff happening that is 
disruptive to to business. There's, you know, you've got Uber freight, you've got driverless trucks, um, you've mm-hmm. got Amazon um, that is just kicking the heck out of all the retailers. You've got those mm-hmm. department stores that you and I and Rico all grew up with that are becoming, um, they're they're really becoming uh, a thing of the past. Uh, you know, everybody's heard the, the news about Sears, the tough time they're having. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, that big department store you have in the U.S., uh, Nyman Marcus, apparently they're having a tough time. They're all having a tough time. And because all of a sudden the younger generations aren't going into department stores. Mm-hmm. They're shopping online. And they even buy their clothes online. So with all of this, it's affecting what we do. And the best, the best thing you can do in our business is to, you know, is to go and find lanes to, to service, you know, point A to point B. That's what you need to do. The days of being the ruling gypsy and running 48 States all over the place. Those days are numbered. Okay. Um, also, I have another question for you. Um, it, do you have a template? I have a um, a potential shipper that I want to uh, do a contract with. Do you have a template to uh, how to make a contract up? Nope. I no. actually don't. I don't use, uh, and I spoke about this last week, and I'm sure if Hank Seaton is listening, he's probably uh, shivering and, and shuddering because he's a lawyer. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh I got to tell you, I don't use contracts uh, because they're not worth the paper they're written on. Um, mm-hmm. Any contracts I have ever signed have been with um, have been with U.S. shippers, and they always make you sign. You know, any of the big paper mills in Wisconsin, um, any of the big retailers will make you sign a contract, and then three weeks, three months, whatever later, they send you a letter saying, well, you know that contract we signed? Uh, we're going to cut the rate by 30 cents a mile. Take it or leave it. Tell me how good that contract okay. is, Judge. Yeah, okay, I understand. Okay. No good. You're, you need a contract for rates and for responsibility. Like, this is um, this is what I'm going to charge. Um, these are my ancillary charges so that if you keep me waiting, um, this is how much it is. If you send me offline... If there's extra drops, um, mm-hmm. if you need to use a trailer for an extra day or a week, all of those things, that should be outlined. And okay. they agree to those charges. Um, that's and basically, you can have the, just, just to jump in real quick, Chuck, and basically those things that you're talking about with your with your rates and your your accessory charges, you can deal with that if, if you have a, a very good um, uh, um uh, service terms and conditions. Um, you have have them sign your service terms and conditions. Good point. Okay. That's your contract. So, what would I get the service terms so and conditions can, from? You can you can you can you can get a template of a service terms and conditions. Actually, Hank Seaton has one, a really simple two page deal on his website, www.transportationlaw.net. You, there's a, there's a, okay. uh, you may have to dig for it a little bit, but if you go on transportationlaw.net, there is a template, a, a really simple two-page template. You fill in the blank that you can that you can incorporate into your system, or better yet, 
if you really want to have a, a good one, you know, uh, you can go and support Hank Seaton and those guys and and give them a call and, and have them draw you one up. Okay. Custom, you can have okay. them draw you one up, customize it strictly for yourself. I mean, it's it's not okay. it's not a whole lot of money that we're talking about. I mean, when you, sometimes people think when you're talking about dealing with attorneys and stuff like that that you're going to be thousands of thousands of dollars. But to get simple stuff drawn up like that uh, and have it customized for yourself, you usually can get away with something like that for around two hundred, two hundred fifty bucks, something like that. Yeah. And if you're a business, if okay. you're in business, that's that's that, that's 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 peanuts, really. That's peanuts. So. Um, you know, I think, as far as myself, I think that's worth the the protection to have something like that for yourself. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's the best two hundred and fifty bucks that Judd's ever going to spend. Because mm-hmm. um, about right, maybe right. two years ago, a year ago, I heard it, heard you say, uh, if you're a owner operator and you go through brokers only, the only thing you are is a number only on the side of your truck. Right. If you're just dealing with brokers only all the time, eventually, you know, unless you got, if you got a set, it, maybe I should put a caveat to that because you could just, your main customers could be brokers and you don't even have to have any direct shippers. But if you got damn good brokers that you got great relationships with and, and they are looking out, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 there are good brokers out there that, that look out for you and you, and you look out for them and you service the hell out of them and, and you're on the same, like you say, you could be running that same lane all the time for that broker. Well, mm-hmm. you got, you got one hell of a relationship that you built up and it doesn't necessarily, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. If all you have is brokers, but where where it does become a bad thing is if you're strictly running spot market all across the country, running from broker to broker, if you're, you're lined up and you got uh, over 200 brokers in your database, then, mm-hmm. you know, the old saying, if you're jumping from broker to broker, you're going to end up broker, you know? <laughs> so you, 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 you have to, you have to kind of limit yourself a little bit on, on dealing with that. Like I say, that's not a, that's not to throw off on anybody that doesn't have any direct customers. If you got great brokers and you got good relationships with them, and you and, and you're moving at good profitable rates, uh, you know there's nothing wrong with that with those relationships. Nothing at all, in my opinion. I, okay. I couldn't agree more, and I think you make more money. And it's the only chance that that's the only remote chance of hell you have at some point, especially if you're running a particular region. Um, it's the only chance of hell you have as a trucking company without your own customer base of having any value to anybody is if you're the go-to guy for an area between, you know, uh, let's say Portland and Seattle or, uh, you know, Portland and San Francisco, whatever it is. If mm-hmm. you are, if you're the go-to guy for, for a whole bunch of brokers, let's say six or a dozen brokers, um, and you service the hell out of them, your business is worth something. It's no, not worth anywhere near what it's worth is if you had direct customers. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. But it's certainly worth a lot more money um, than it would be worth if if you had 200 brokers and you were servicing 48 states with three trucks. Right, right. But, Judd, we're going to cut you loose here. We're going to grab another call before the show gets ready to wrap up. So let's go and grab – didn't get the name again. So, caller, what's your name? Call me in from the area code 832. Hey, my name is Les. Uh, I have a question about trailer sizes. 
Okay. If I get a forty, if I get a forty-eight foot reefer, will I limit my uh, market, or yep. are forty-eight foot reefers still viable? No, I don't think they're. Bi- Where are you going? Why do you need a forty-eight footer? Uh, I plan on I plan on carrying heavy some heavy freight out of California into Texas. And uh, I'm just more comfortable with a 48 footer than I am a 53. Okay. Um, you're gonna ter- you're gonna terribly you know, limit yourself. My and my, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. jump in on this one real quick, Chuck. You go ahead. You're gonna terribly limit yourself. You're gonna have you're gonna have an opportunity where you can actually get some lighter freight that uh, that you can probably load, but they, but you're not gonna have enough space on your trailer because you can't they can't load a 48 foot. You have to without being without cutting the order. Uh, 48 footers, I, 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 of course, if you're loaded heavy, they can't load you. They have to load you like a 48 footer on a 53 footer. I understand some of the concepts of, of why people feel kind of uh, uh, nostalgic about the 48 footer, but you're going to have more and more, especially with a, a lot of customers, they want to have the flexibility to be able to know if they need to load extra on you, if they're loading you in a 48 foot style, but if they need to know if they, if they, have an extra skill or something that they need to throw on you that, okay, that you're going to have that ability to be able to handle it. And, and, and they're not going to be wanting to order another truck because for, for five extra skiers or, or six extra skiers that you couldn't get on because you got a 48 foot tra- uh, uh, trailer. That's, that's going to limit your possibilities uh, in the marketplace tremendously. So I, I strongly advise against that. If you, if you, if you, um, Definitely get you a for uh, a fifty three foot swing door trailer, um, and, and and Chuck being a broker and a carrier, I'm gonna let you finish it off. Well, if it was me and you really need to haul that heavy freight, I would look at lightening up my tractor. Oh, I'm looking at a light tractor. Yeah. Okay. Um, you you do need a fifty three. I think forty eights. They probably have their place in certain things, and and again. That would be a regional thing where you you had a customer in Texas that shipped heavy to a customer in California that shipped heavy and a customer in California, and you knew you weren't doing anything else but hauling, you know, 21 or 22 pallets all the time and you were maxed out with weight. Um, or even if you were only hauling, you knew that that customer only shipped 21 or 22 pallets. But remember something, what happens when you lose that customer? What are you going to do with that 48-foot trailer? Okay. You know, you got to okay, find a guy in point. New Jersey or New York that wants to buy it because nobody else is going to want any part of it. Okay. Thank you. That makes sense. I'm glad I asked. Not a problem, buddy. All right. Pre- appreciate the phone call. Chuck, we're getting ready. we got a few seconds left. We want to give a number for people to get in contact with you. If you're uh, there in Chicago, yeah. you might be able to move some well, freight. You know what? Them. I'm going to get... You know what? I'm not really well prepared. I don't have the Chicago number in front of me, but they can call me and I'll get them over to the Chicago number. Uh, if you need anything, give me a call. The number is 800-388-4352, extension 203. That's really important. you got to press 203 or you're going through voicemail hell around our place because we have so many extensions. We, I think we're up to close to 100 extensions. And uh, one receptionist couldn't keep up with it. So remember to dial extension 203. And you can reach me if you want to send me an email. I do. I call people back and I email them back. And it's Chuck 
at traffics.com. That's T-R-A-F-F-I-X. And if you need anything, give me a call. I'm glad to help everybody. This gives me an opportunity to give back to, and it has been very, very good to my family and I. And as usual, ladies and gentlemen, the hour has just blown by. We thank you again wow, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Racing Lanes podcast. Want to thank everyone that helps make the show possible. Want to thank my daughter, Manaya back home for screening the phone calls, even though she didn't put the names on there, but we'll work on that part. Uh, want to <laughs> thank uh, Kevin and Lisa Rutherford for providing us with the platform to make this show possible. Want to thank the entire Let's Truck team. And remember, they are, uh, the, their, their complete lineup can be found for all of the different podcasts at LessTruck.com. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Be safe out there. Keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise until the same time next week. We'll see you then. Be safe out there, everybody. God bless you, Chuck. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. Good night. Enjoy My pleasure. Be safe, everybody. God bless. Good night. Good night. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.